have a situation. What is it? I I've been watching, uh, you know, the movie The Big Short, and then my my mortgage renewal is coming up, and I'm panicking, and I'm not sure what to do because everywhere I turn, I think I'm making like the wrong decision. Well, that's what usually is with the the average, or even the above average person. When it comes to mortgages, you're just lost. Everybody's lost. I don't know what I'm doing. It's so much money. That's why we've got the one to go to, Phil Craig. He's a mortgage broker in Ottawa that will get you an unbelievable deal. Have you heard of him, Jay? I have, but will he let me like make it look like I made some decisions because you know I have my wife there and I just want you know make look look make it look cool to my kids that I'm I made the decision. Will he let me do that? He will let you sign. Even if you're not signing a real document, he'll slide you one over that says Jason, and you can sign right underneath it. And not only that, if you go see him, he will hook you up with three hundred dollars if you tell him the soccer snob sent you. Somebody's got to do this, okay? Please, someone move and do it for us, not for your family, for us. So he will get you a quick mortgage approved same day he's got no bias opinion because he's not affiliated with any bank phil craig mortgage broker look him up he will get you the best to start a soccer snobs episode and i don't remember the episode number but you know what number i do know 300 that's right phil craig mortgage broker will give you 300 dollars off if you go and see him and mention the soccer snobs how amazing is that we're like the popular kids for once in our life you mention us and you get stuff phil craig will help you consolidate your debt Get approved for mortgages same day, and all the information he provides is non-biased because he has no affiliation with anyone. That seems like he has no friends. I don't know why that's. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But like- look him up, Phil Craig. He played for the Ottawa Royals, and he'll give you the royal treatment. Oh, How good was that end? How good was that end? This is like you're good, man. Miranda Smith, when you eat peanut butter on toast, do you butter the toast first and then put the peanut butter, or just straight up peanut butter? Straight up peanut butter. Thank you. Wow. I'm a butter <laughs> guy first. Is anyone that's with disgusting. me? It's too much, Mark. That's too yeah, much. I, that's it. I'm yeah. done. I'm back to Phil Craig. <laughs> Stuart Barber, if you had to choose two colors of pennies to use in a session, what would they be? Well, it depends if there's a colorblind person on the team, which I found out one time was very hard to have red and green pennies. Um, That's so, an experienced coach talk right there. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I would go green and orange. Green and orange. Green and orange. Wow. That's off the board. Now I'm, I'm rattled. Jason Whiting. 
to me, this is a dying art that I wish never went away. How excited are you right now? I'm so like <laughs> in my tummy is our nerves right now. Does your family still send Christmas cards to people? We just finalized our Christmas card. Anna produced it and everything. They're being sent to us and we're going to deliver them in like two weeks. Yes. Wow. Love it. Love it. Stephen O'Kane, do you own and or wear a house coat? Oh my God. <laughs> That's the, I don't know how to answer that. Oh my God. I currently don't. I used to. I loved it. And I remember going on road trips at Algonquin. I was like 19 and the, the robes are in the room and we would all wear the robe. Like we thought it was the coolest thing. We'd all go right into the rooms and put the robes on and walk around in robes. It was disgusting, but it was that's fun. A different level. Yeah. That's Stu has a question. We got it. Yeah. And you know what? Don't ask about how I looked. No, I'm going to, I'm going to do a house robe story. I don't know. Miranda might remember it, but with the massive uh, time lag and 34 hours of traveling in China, I got the lovely job of keeping players awake uh, to coordinate their sleeping time. And we went out on the main street of Xinjiang. Do you remember this, Miranda? There was about yes, I do. Cooper Lee walking with her house coat down the street of China. And I think someone else had it. It was quite funny. I mean, you That's know, amazing. walk out the hotel room with your big white fluffy coat on yeah. and your uh, free as, time. As you, uh, yeah. As if you didn't already stand out enough in China. <laughs> Yeah. We, yeah, we were the well, tallest people there. Yeah. We've got two guests today. First time in soccer snobs history. It's a it's a treat for us. We've got two people that are super important to Ottawa soccer, and uh, and that's what we're about. So, Miranda Smith is one of the best uh, soccer players ever to come out of Ottawa. Who was captain of the Ottawa U Championship U Sports team um, in 2018. Then a year later part of the team that won the university world cup is that what it's called university world cup yeah okay um in china she most recently played professionally in finland um Stuart barber is an ottawa guy coach here for i don't know 30 plus years 20 plus uh, years 30 yeah. plus. 30, well, 20 or 30 plus or so coached all different kinds of women um that went on to big things like charmaine hooper danielle vela Tanya Singfield, I believe, as well. Is that another yeah, A couple one? of seasons. Yeah. And most recently, uh, assistant coach at, the, at Ottawa U, coaching some of the best players uh, that come through, such as uh, Miranda Smith. So welcome to this super professional show. <laughs> Thanks for having us. Yeah, my pleasure to be here. Very Mark, good. Hold, Mark, hold on. I, got a, I didn't raise my hand, but I have, a, I have a story about Stu. He also coached boys, men, and he coached me. And I know he coached Jay. He used to do the uh, Shoppers Drug Mart camps, okay? <laughs> when I was like 11, I went to the Shoppers Drug Mart camp in, at A.Y. Jackson, and Stuart ran it. And it was like, it was the greatest ever. Like, they gave you report cards, like how many juggles you did. You got like bronze, gold, silver, excellence. Like, I wanted excellence at everything. I was good at juggling. So, like, I got my excellences. But then, last day of the World Cups, Jay, you'll totally remember this. Hold last on. This was that Sir World Guy. This was that Sir Guy, Steve, just, just to clarify. Really? Okay. Because yeah. no one cares. Anyway. No, it does matter. Okay, go on. But like last day of a camp, last day of a camp, you do World Cup Day. It's the greatest day in the history of your life. World Cup Day at a camp, soccer, baseball, Kings Court, badminton in, in gym class. Like these are like massive things. Soccer, World Cup Day. The day before, Stuart sets it up and he's like calm about things, which like 
almost rattled me because I wanted him like yelling and screaming. He's so calm. And he's like, we're going to do World Cup Day. I pick Scotland. The teams come out. He's like, you know what? You're like a real Scottish team. You're an underdog. Your team's an underdog. It in like it went into my core. I went home that night. I took an ice bath. I had pasta for dinner. I was in bed at like 6.30 p.m. I had 18 hours sleep. I was so pumped the next day. I'm like, underdog? I'll show you underdog. I had my dad's Scotland jersey laid out on the ground, color coordinated. I biked there faster than anybody's bike to a camp. I was like, I was listening to my yellow Walkman walking around the field pregame, like before anybody showed up and Stuart just sees me in the Scotland Jersey. And like, I had as a seal of approval lost in the final. It took me months to get over this month. Who did you lose to? Brazil. And they were a power like Brazil. That was was you. Yeah. And so that's where Steve and I became like really good friends. So Stuart, we owe you that. I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing. That's a great, but also there was a girl that we both had a crush on. It's true. and and i picked her i was she was like my first pick and i go i pick i forget her name and i go i pick her for bra zil because she wore a bra i thought it was genius steve loved it and it's like we're friends ever since and what happened what happened with the girl how'd that joke go never never it went off terribly like but she was so good she was was amazing yeah Yeah. she was my first pick Uh, wait a minute sarah cunningham no, we need no. to get her on the. Sh- I need to contact her. I wonder who, I'm just trying to and think. Tell her I'm happily married. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's go, right. Mark. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take this a whole different route. How you doing, Miranda? <laughs> yeah. She's- yeah. So, Miranda, before all the magic at Ottawa, you happened. You were a youth player in Ottawa, correct? Yes. Which clubs did you come through, and was there a coach that left a specific impression on you? Yes. Um, okay. Well, I started, um, like when I decided I was going to play uh, competitive soccer, I played my first year with uh, Gloucester Hornets. Um, but then um, I ended up like hearing through someone about Sanjeev Parmar or like my parents maybe heard. Um, and he like agreed to like see me play. And then um from there he like uh kind of took me under his like wing and really developed me as a player but from there I ended up switching to Cumberland Cobras at the time because that's where he like he worked with them and then um my coach there was Chris Grimes and they worked like really closely together so you went to Memphis in the NCAA correct yes Okay, so what was the initial attraction to the U.S. as opposed to Canada? Like, what drew you to wanting to go to the U.S. before uh, before looking here? Um, okay, so from, like, the time I can really remember, it was, like, ingrained in, like, my team's mind and kind of everyone that, you know, the NCAA is where you have to go because that's where the best players go. Um I actually now have realized like that's so wrong and it's I think it's really sad that like players from Canada have to look or think that they have to look to go somewhere else instead of playing within Canada um and it's such a myth I would say about like the well I would know from playing in both leagues that like I think it's like 
such a myth that the level here is so much lower. Like, I think it was just as good. I actually would say that my Ottawa U team, the style of soccer that we played was much better than um, like a lot of the soccer that I played in the U.S. I would say like, I find a big difference is, was like in the NCAA, it's like they're building athletes. Like mm. you need to be f- fit, strong, whatever, but it's not like as focused on the soccer. development of like yeah. The game. soccer. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. 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 So, um, I like, I think that's something that really needs to be changed in Canada is like, I don't know why we're telling like, Mm-hmm. from the youth level that like the NCAA is the goal of course it's amazing mm-hmm. and like they do have incredible teams but I just think that's something so unfortunate about Canada soccer that like why even again at the professional level like there's nothing in Canada like we're taught to like look abroad, yeah, abroad. Yep. no that's good Stuart I'm gonna throw it to you because I know you have a, a quick question but I want to I want to say to Miranda like and I hope that parents of, of young girls playing are listening to this because that's so important. And we heard it on the men's side too. It's yeah, like this yeah. big, this big promised land of the U S uh, for Canadian players when we've got something as good, you know, sitting right here, but Stuart, how do you deal with this as a coach? Like women choosing and men choosing the U S and you're trying to recruit this girl. And she's saying, Oh no, I'm going to the, do you have, do you, I do spend half your day, trying to promote you sports and you know how does it work with recruiting well I, to be honest i have very little to do with the recruiting at the university uh steve johnson and mark fowler do the massive amount of legwork that's involved uh mark pops when he goes to games in british columbia if he's on business in you know winnipeg he'll go see games so they do a ton of work i know that one of the frustrations that often comes in is that, you know, they, they go to these showcase tournaments and these players list where they want to go and they list these schools um, in the programs. And, and I've looked at these programs and I would say, I don't know, 20% of the girls all write University of North Carolina on the top. And the chances of any of them going there is so microscopically thin um, and then they, they list all these big, big schools that, you know, quite frankly, they're never, ever going to get to. Um, but like Miranda was saying, it's ingrained. And whether you watch a movie like Bend It Like Beckham and the dream of a, a girl yeah. in, you know, in Croydon is to go to, um, yeah. or Hounslow, I should say, is on, her dream is to go to America to play soccer. And, and that gets driven in the, in the movies you watch, the show's. I mean, they filmed a movie, I don't know if you know this, uh, called Lethal Soccer Mom, uh, two summers ago. It's a, it's a kind of a B movie. It was filmed at Crean Wilson Secondary School where I taught and they used Ottawa girls as extras, but it was meant to be an American school, a high school where the dream was to go play in America. I just think it's incredibly ironic that they're using a Canadian school to tell <laughs> an American dream. So yeah, I think that's, Miranda's totally right in that we have to change the shape of things. and. You might want to ask Miranda about her experience being in the end zone of the Ottawa U girls games, women's games as a uh, ball girl. Oh, wow. Uh, I I guess. I'm setting her up. Yeah, I wanted to add, sorry, I totally am blowing this, but uh, 
<laughs> and now I forgot my question. Oh, because you guys have listened to every one of our shows, Sean Holmes is a coach, and to Mark's point on the men's side at Drake University for a long while, he's at St. Cloud State. He mentioned the same thing. He said, you know, people are putting down North Carolina, Clemson, Duke, all this stuff. Like, and he says for Canadian kids, he's like, why would you go to, you know, like North Iowa A&T when you could go to Queens or Ottawa U? He's like, is that not a better program? So it's out of whack the thinking I think on both the men's and the women's side. So it's a, it's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up, Miranda, but what happened in the end zone? Cause now it's either a really weird story or a cute story. I don't know where it's going to go here. Um, yeah, well, this was when I was with Cumberland. We used to be the ball girls for Ottawa U. Um, and we used to have like a dance every time they scored that we no. would always do. Yes. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, we need some video of that for the I was going to say, all right. Yeah. Or a recreation right now? Is, is yeah. that it, Stuart? You wanted a recreation? Yeah. I can't remember it. You know, I think I tried to block yeah, it yeah. out. Yeah, it's blocked out forever. What was the reason? You were there for three years in Memphis. What was the reason you came home? Um, okay. Well, I don't want to, like, I don't want to bash, like, yeah anything yeah. um but let's do it, that. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a, a, a great fit for me and I think like something that also I would touch upon I don't know obviously I can only speak for my own experience at the University of Memphis but um I feel as though like the difference I felt between like I know the coaching staff at Memphis like obviously that like they depend their job depends on winning right like in the U.S. it's like you have to win you have to win so like um I feel as though like I was more just like a number and not someone that they genuinely cared about but like when I came home um I never questioned like whether or not the co coaching staff at Ottawa U cared about me and like you know we had conversations and like I don't know. I rarely talk to my coaches at Memphis. And unfortunately for me, like um, my experience was not good there. I know that actually it's sad though. It happens to so many girls um, who go away to the U S because when you go and you're recruited, it's like, they show you everything you want, tell you everything you want to hear, show you everything. They make it seem like it's going to be the best four years of your life. And I know for some it is, but unfortunately for me, it wasn't that. Um, and I went through like a lot of hard times when mm. I was there. Um, just, I know the coaches, like I was not in their, they, they didn't love me very much, I guess. Yeah. I don't know how to say it, <laughs> yeah. but um, I was kind of that player who like, anytime something went wrong, it just happened to be my fault. And um, that became really hard on me mentally and my yeah. confidence. And um, after three years, I like was reflecting and was like, I don't even like this sport anymore. I'm like, wow, I have, it had created so much anxiety around the sport for me that like, wow. even going to practice, I would be at practice and like, I'd be nervous to go to practice because I was like, I don't want to get yelled at or like if I make a mistake I know I'm and it just became so detrimental to me um like I was I ended up being scared to play and like huh. 
when you're scared to play, you never play at your best. And if you feel like your coach doesn't have confidence in you, then it's hard to have confidence in yourself. Yeah, that's terrible. As a coach myself and all of us here and Stuart, especially who's at the, imagine making a player feel like that. How terrifying is that? Like that's, that's mind blowing that you would be a coach and and have that feeling. So I'm going to throw it kind of to, to both of you here. I don't, but Stuart mentioned he wasn't big in, into the recruiting, but what attracted you when you came home? Cause I know there's Carlton and Otto. Were they both hard in for you? Was like, was Carlton in for you? Was Otto in? Was it a big battle for Miranda and like headline yeah. news? No, it wasn't. Yeah. Um, well, for me, like I never, well, it's actually crazy. Cause like I was in journalism at um, <clears throat> the university of Memphis and Carlton has yeah. the best journalism program almost in Canada. Yeah. Um, but for me, like the way I looked at my transition home was like, it was purely, I know education's important, but I ended up going into communications and like, that's really similar to journalism, which I think actually in like a career maybe gives me more options. So that was appealing to me. Um, but like there was, I was kind of making my decision based off of soccer. Like I realized I spent my whole life trying to work for this dream of playing university soccer and I was miserable. And so for me, I was like, if I'm going to come home, I want to, it's for soccer. Mm -hmm. And I I wanted to enjoy what I spent my whole life working for. And Mm -hmm. I knew uh, the coaching staff at Ottawa U. I've known Stu and Steve and Mark and Dave for so long that I had good relationships with them already. And I actually, when I was like uh, 10 to 12, I used to come out and practice because Sanjeev used to run some practices for Ottawa U. So he would bring me out. So I've known them for so long. Wow. And I knew that, um, like I had talked to Mark and he said that there would be an opportunity for me. So I kind of, once I realized that I just, I needed to make this for my, this move for myself to Mm -hmm. appreciate and see if I still loved the sport. Um, because I wasn't sure if I ever wanted to play again. And I think I told them that when I came back. Um, yeah. So I was making that, um, move specifically for soccer. Cause like soccer is my first love. And I literally was at a point where I never wanted to touch ball again. Wow. Uh, That's, that's interesting to me to hear um, with universities because you're as young as 12 and the university connection is what hooked you when you can't, you know what I mean? So that's, that's for universities listening in, in, in Ottawa, connect early. You can never connect early to your community. I mean, there's, they always wait, right? You wait till you're 17, a year away from school, connect early, show your face in the grassroots so that, well, maybe only Ottawa, because Ottawa's on here right now. So Ottawa, <laughs> you connect early, not Carleton. So speaking <laughs> of Carleton, I'm a diehard Carleton alumni. I mean, I love the school there, but is for Ottawa U, is playing Carleton really that big of a game? Or is it like bigger for Carleton because they're like the little sister right now? They're not there yet. It's a big game. Yeah. Yeah. Good. I'm, yes. I'm glad to hear that because I was about to cry. Yeah. Uh, I'll, th- I'll throw something in there. I mean, the, the record is phenomenal, right, for Ottawa U over Carlton over all the years, over all the different coaches and players. 
and we've had one loss. And uh, it's very interesting in the media, every year made a big story about undefeated, undefeated, undefeated. And once Carlton won that one game, they've stopped showing up to even cover any of those games. No. Like, it was just like, oh, the record's broken. Um, yeah, you, you used to get a lot of, lot of press. They used to do a really nice feature uh, about the two teams. Uh, they used to do a good feature on the men's teams. But once that, you know, record or mystique was broken, it was done. Um, I know, uh, you know, Steve and I have joked at times that, uh, you know, once we finish coaching, we could sit for the rest of our lives and Carlton will never equal the record. <laughs> There's not enough years left in our lives for them to catch up. Oh. All right, that's stung a little. but that's How are you feeling now, Mark? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so that wraps it up for this episode. <laughs> uh, so when you came home, you had two years left of eligibility. So the first year you came back, you didn't win, uh, you didn't win nationals, but you came back for your fifth year. Now, before I hit to Miranda, I'm going to ask Stuart, Stuart, do you normally see your athletes stay for that weird fifth year? I mean, cause in the U S there's four years, right. And you can't come back for, unless you're a red chair, it's all about, but you know, like the, the normal four years, do you see a lot of fifth year athletes come back to, uh, to your team? Uh, quite a few, uh, Core players, core players that play important roles in big minutes, they love it. Uh, one of the interesting things, and Miranda can attest to this, and it's sad in one way, is that they know once their university career ends in this country, anything they do will be an inferior experience to what they had at university. Um, you know, you go from an environment where you've got strength and conditioning coaches, you've got team buses, you've got meal money, You've got travel, you're in hotel rooms, um, you're not paying any money, you may be receiving an athletic bursary, and then you're playing in the OCSL at Mooney's Bay on a Wednesday night. Yeah, and then it rains and you don't play because they cancel every <laughs> yeah. game. Every rains. game, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so in terms of the fifth-year players, yeah, we do get them. Uh, I, think it's, I think it's terrific. I think uh, five years is fantastic, especially if you look, too, with the um, – you know, when we removed grade 13, uh, you know, we have some girls that arrive in first year that are only 17. And, you know, there, there can be quite a difference physiologically between a 17 year old and a 23 year old, like a, yeah. let's say a master's student who's playing. Right. So sometimes maybe that first year for some of them, not all 17 year olds, uh, but it may not result in the amount of playing time and impact on a team uh, that they're used to. Um, typically most players that arrive at the university um, you know, if we do a little poll, and I think Miranda might have been there when we've done that on the sideline, how many were you were a captain of your club team in the first years? All their hands will go up. How many of you were captain of your high school soccer team? All their hands go up. How many of you played every minute of all your games and all their hands go up? But that's not going to be the reality when you step onto a university field. So yeah. in some ways that fifth year helps. And players' roles will often increase as the years go on in terms of the teams. Um, you know, if you look at a five, you know, in a five-year program, mathematically, you're looking at a, you know, a 20% change in your team every year. If you're in an American school, it's 25% of your players are leaving the team. This okay. is why they're in constant recruitment mode. Yeah. And then, and as Miranda alluded to, um, you'll see, um, and if you check the resumes of various players in, in the U.S. colleges, and Miranda can tell you this, they jump from school to school to look for a good fit. 
Yeah. And if not uncommon, you'll see a girl in third year university and she's been in three different universities already. Um, there's been some good rule changes from U Sport. I mean, coming back from America, the girls do not have to sit out a year. Yeah, where they that's do. good. And the thought was that that would be a deterrent for people to go away. But actually what it was probably doing was a deterrent for athletes to come back. Because yeah, if you're having a crappy experience and you know you can walk into something great, yeah. you're more likely to jump. If you're having a crappy experience and you're walking into a year of twiddling your thumbs, yeah. Yeah. you know, it, it, I think it's a, you know, it, was a, it was an incentive to stay away. Now more like it's now an incentive to come back. I don't know, Miranda might want to comment on that knowing what she knows now in life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I definitely like, because um, when I was leaving, I had thought about transferring to another American school, but I was already in my third year. Um, and to me, I was just like, uh, well, what if I transfer somewhere and I don't like it? Also, to yeah. be there for a year, just to kind of restart, to have to live in dorm rooms, I wasn't really, because I had lived in my own house when I was in Memphis after my first year. Um, I didn't want to go back to that, but um, I definitely, like, I had friends who played in the same conference from Ottawa. They had uh, gone to, like, Vanessa went to Cincinnati, and then I had um, a couple friends at uh, UCF, and mm -hmm. uh, I knew a couple people at uh, USF, too, and I had thought about, oh, well, I could go there, but then I knew I'd have to sit out a year if I transferred within my conference. Mm -hmm. So to me, I was like, and I thought if I'm going to leave, like I want to kind of guarantee that I'll be happy. And I mean, I, it's still a risk to leave, but I, mm -hmm. I knew everyone in Ottawa, like the coaching staff and also just to have my family close again was important. Cause that was one of the hardest things was when I was, when things were so terrible for me, it's like, yeah, I, I don't have my family. Yeah. And the coaches were like, had said, Oh, like it's almost as if we'll be her parents. Like, wow, yeah, yeah. she's here for these four years, but it was like actually quite the opposite. <laughs> yeah. So just to come home and have, I knew like I would have that support. I wouldn't have to sit out a year. Um, that was like also very appealing to me. But yeah. devil, devil's advocate, just to add on to that, Miranda, like you probably grew a lot from that. Like what a gift it kind of was. Like you probably know yourself a lot better. Uh, you, you're stronger. Like you probably going to Finland was an easier transition because you've already been through hell. And now it's like, okay, what, what's nothing can get really worse than that maybe for you as a soccer player and maybe outside of that? No, I... 100% agree like I always say of course it was like such a difficult time for me in my life but not only like as a soccer player but just as a person I think it like helped me grow in a lot of ways and I think that's also something that made um like my role on our team in Ottawa back uh, when I came home like um an important role because I've been on both sides of things. Mm -hmm. Like I've been the player who doesn't get to play. Um, and, you know, I could relate to everyone. It, it made me more of like an empathetic player um, and person. But um, unfortunately, like I, it did really affect my um, soccer because I, 
when I came home, I had no confidence. And I, you know, I was most of the time scared to play. Um, but I'll, I'll never forget one of the first things Steve ever said to me was that I need to remember that at the end of the day, it's just a game. And it's, it's not my, my life isn't determined or like my worth isn't determined based off of that. Like, and the moment it stops being fun is when you need to like evaluate. So, um, that like really has stuck with me, but, um, it, it was a really great learning experience. I mean, do I wish maybe for like my soccer in like some ways that I didn't go through that because I think it stopped my progress as a player for three years. Yeah. Um, but again, like the lessons I learned and everything I think are very valuable and like even the people, well, I met my boyfriend in Memphis and we're still together. So like, I have really good takeaways from it. And my teammates in Memphis were great. Like, I think that's the reason that so many people stay is because yeah. our connection as a team was great. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Well, that shows how much of an impact coaches have in players' lives. You know, if everything around you is great, but the one person who's supposed to be isn't, that, uh, that shows for the coaches out there, that shows – how much impact you do have. So I'm going to take you back to the field. You come back for your fifth year, fast forward to the final. You yeah. score like a 30 yard screamer to win the national final. After all this, yeah. all that comes out in that one shot and, and, and take us back to that shot. And did you know <laughs> if you won that game that you would go to the university world, world cup university? What's the name? <laughs> How many worlds? In the cups stutter cup. You go to Stutter champ. <laughs> yeah, so did you know you'd go to the University <laughs> World Cup? No, we actually had no idea about I don't even know Sue would know better, but I, know I don't you. know when that came on the table. I'm not really sure, but we had absolutely no idea. I'd never wow. even heard of it. Wow. So I don't know, Stu, if you wanna Sure. Um yeah, it came as a surprise, I guess. Uh Part of it is, is Fichu has pivoted, right, in terms of football uh, originally, or the, all the Fichu games were uh, you represented Canada, mm -hmm. uh, you represented America, Great Britain, or whoever was there. Um, and then Fichu started looking at basketball, uh, rugby sevens, uh, football, and making, having it so you represent the university you play for. Cool. Uh, U-Sport had been offered a wild card spot in the first uh, world, you know, now we got it. I've got the stutter, <laughs> the stutter, the stutter title too. You're uh, winning. University World Cup. Um, so Fichu had offered Canada wild card. I guess U Sports sat on it and didn't want anyone to know is, is my takeaway from this. Um, and then shortly after the championship, we were offered this spot and uh, the, to represent Canada. And of course, there had to be certain uh, negotiations and discussions. Um, the incredible part is that the organizing committee in Xinjiang, China, through Kelmi as a sponsor and probably the Chinese government too, uh, has made it free for all eight women's teams and the 16 wow. men's teams. So Sweet. 24 teams, it was all paid for airfare, food, wow. accommodation, buses around town, wow. uh, full set of uniforms. We knew nothing of this. Um, Steve was approached, discussed it, 
um, talked to a couple of the coaches, people internally in the university. Um, and then he asked a question, well, if we don't go, what happens? And he was told, well, we'll offer it to Trinity Western. So I think, uh, I think that made his mind up pretty quick that we were yeah. going to get on that plane and we were going to make it work. What do you mean, Stu, by wildcard? Like, do you mean that Canada weren't considered part of it and they were like a wildcard entry? Or like, that's where I, like, if you'd won nationals, I just assume you automatically qualify. And I know 19 Trinity Western won, but can you just maybe t explain that? Well, I think, um, I, I believe they allocated the spots at Fichu World Cup based on how the teams had done um, what, representing their countries. Oh. Um, and then they had an open spot to, okay. to make it a contingent of eight. And they chose to go to the um, CONCACAF region to fill that spot. Okay. Um, often, like American teams, uh, it's interesting because I think, Miranda, did you play against the American team or no? In, in the FISHU games? Uh, no. But UCLA went as the American team. Right. So this is what they were doing. They were sending, they, they, didn't, they didn't want to put together an all-star team from different universities like Canada did. Yeah. And they would choose different schools who could just yeah. up for it and go. And there's so many rules in America that like some of the schools were using it as a way to extend their training camp, essentially, because yeah. if they're playing out of the country, they're allowed to have yeah. more practices. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a whole bunch of rules. Yeah. We'll get into it another time that, Mm -hmm. actually inhibit the player growth of uh, players who go to the states but that's a whole other topic does yeah. that clear up the yeah thing? Yep. yeah so, here's where it gets a little confusing maybe for the listener so i'm gonna i'm gonna spell it out first and then ask uh, ask miranda this question so you win nationals in 2018 november okay this is when you win and now you've got december january february march april may june july august september and then there's a season that Ottawa U has without you and the other fifth-year players. So they play their whole season, and then it's the World University Love Cup Championship China, <laughs> whatever it's called. Um, so now was that kind of – it's a two-part question. Stuart and Miranda take – I mean, now, did you train with the team the whole year even though you weren't playing in the season? And was it – mildly uncomfortable for you to kind of be like okay now I'm back and like you're taking the spot of someone who played the whole season at Ottawa U um so well for me like originally my plan after my fifth year was to go away like I wanted to go play um but shortly after uh like Christmas break we were playing in the uh RSEQ league mm -hmm. and I could play in that um okay. But in like a couple games in, I got um, a pretty bad concussion and I've had um, like a history of them. And that one, like I was out for uh, like till that happened, I think in February and I was out till uh, the end of May. Um, so uh, when that happened, I kind of had to reevaluate because I wasn't really sure where. Yeah. I would be at and like I kind of missed the window of where you would go um so then I I had to kind of make a decision um I had been talking with Jean one of the uh assistant coaches at Ottawa U and he was trying to help me go away and he said to me well you're gonna have to make a decision like do you want to play uh go to China or do you want to go away and for me I was like well I don't want to go play um 
in Europe coming off being out for like four months and because obviously when you go you want to show well um so for me I was like okay I'm gonna set my goal to go to China um and then I trained I played with um just like a women's team throughout the summer and um we do like some training and then I uh I, we had a FISU training camp that I participated in. And then in that, I actually tore my labrum in my hip. Um, Jesus. So then I wasn't sure if I'd be able to go to China, but I had sat with Steve and had said, like, I want to do everything I can um, to make it to China. And I said, um, my biggest thing is I don't want to have a disconnect from the new players coming in this year because I won't get to really play with them. So I was like, what role can I have um, to be as much involved as I can? So I ended up um, being like a kind of like an in-between of like a a coach and a player. Um, And I would come to every practice. I was out for a while because of my hip. Um, and I didn't really start practicing until like three weeks before we left, I think. Um, but I went to every game, I came to every practice and like, I, I wanted to develop relationships with the players that I didn't know, because I think like so much can be said for chemistry of a team. And I think that's what made our 2018, 2018 team so special is like the chemistry we had on the field, the, like willingness to fight for everything because you know the person next to you is and that's like it's so important I always say like I will take team chemistry over the best 11 players because um it's it is a team sport and when you can work together and like you can create so much more um so for me like that was the most important thing was getting to know everyone who was new coming in um it was quite a difficult thing to know that like um I might take the place of someone else but that was something that um like from the moment we knew I think that we had this opportunity the coaching staff had been very clear about like it um we're taking the bet uh the top was it 18 players I think um and like it's gonna be a selection from both so it wasn't like we anybody nobody went into it not knowing that that was gonna happen but it still was like but you also got them there like you also got them there they're not even there those new players if you didn't score a 30 yard screamer so you know there's two (laughs) sides to that can I can I jump in there and I have I have a question then a follow up question depending on how you answer no pressure <laughs> no pressure but um because you talked about the, you talked about chemistry and I think in a couple articles that I googled you talked about team chemistry too um and I have a I have a reason for that but your team at uh, forgive my ignorance when you went to the uh, university games did was it an ottawa u team or was it an all-star team like the men do from all different universities no uh like for the one i went to in the summer within in china in italy no in china oh okay um the one you guys won No, that was that was the ottawa u team okay 
And were you playing against teams that were all-star teams or were they university teams like yours that were together? I, be- uh, I believe they were university teams, but they, do you know for sure? Yeah, they, they, they were. They all had to represent uh, and attend the university they went to. Uh, this was one of our big questions. Um, you know, I know as Canadians, we would make sure that we were fair and honest about who played. And someone asked me before we went to this, how, uh, how do you think Ottawa you, you will do? And I said, well, we're an excellent university team. And if everyone plays fair, we should have a really good shot at it. But, um, you know, you, you just don't know, um, you know, how people like um, uh, Paulista University from Brazil is like hundreds of thousands of students because it has multiple campuses. So, you know, they were, they were drawing from an incredible pool of players to put their team together. Um, so, you know, Beijing Normal University, I mean, I think the university itself is the size of the city. So, you know, so for that one, I mean, when Miranda went to Italy, she represented Canada on an all-star team. And it was, that was the, Miranda was involved in the very last Fichu games where it was like an all-star Canadian team. And they won't be doing that anymore. And the pivot is now being Jason to strictly university teams. So um, we have a right of return uh, as reigning champions. We were told that huh. right cool. in China when the game at the beginning of the event um but we didn't quite pick up on it because we we're sort of focused on just doing what we were and then when we were all done and we we're staying on the sideline and one of the fichu guys says well i guess we'll see you in a few years and i you know steve and i kind of looked at him and then he went over it again and so we have an invite back to what would have been uh minus COVID would have happened um but now it's going to be 2022 they've announced uh, the year that they're going to host steve the steve i didn't get to ask my follow-up question to that Thank I think you, mine's but, better though, so that's why I was. Oh, it probably is. But Scotland versus Brazil again. Yeah, here we go. Um, so Miranda, yeah, I think the, your point, the chemistry is fantastic because the number one, uh, you know, component of of soccer and 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 territory games is communication. So if you don't have that communication, it, you can have all the best players in the world if they they get not communicating together in in sync then it's not so that's probably a reason why you guys did so well both in both right because you had that um and that's why i was i always knew the university games for the men to be uh an all-star thing which i think is is stupid because you lose that number one component that you need it's like yeah. it's ridiculous right so yeah i just yeah. want to make and that's that. what I, would, I would say like um because when i went to uh the world university games in italy um that was the all-star team and of course like it was a selection of the top players and everyone was so talented but we had such a short amount of time to come together and we're coming from all different coaching styles um different uh, formations that you play in and to try and throw all these players together in such a short time i think made it so much more difficult and I think like um just even like the way that we I just like the way we played in China was Mm -hmm. so much better because it's a team that's been together for so long who knows like the way each player plays and it's just I will advocate for team chemistry for as long as I can because it makes such a difference 
who else went? Uh, what are the other? There was four girls from Ottawa, you right? You and who are the other three? Let's throw their names out. Um, Catherine Byrne. Yeah. Uh, Kayla DaCosta Pacheco and um, Taya Noor. Okay. Okay. And then yes. my, my next uh, clarification for both of you. If you're going back, Stu, as defending champions, does that mean you get to bring Miranda? And then if you win again, you get to keep bringing Miranda because you keep winning. And like, she'll be like 50 talking about scoring the 30 yard screamer. Like, is that, can you keep doing that? Unfortunately, no. there's a 25 year age limit on it. Ah. And you have to be currently enrolled in the university uh, that you're attending to or have graduated one year before. If I'm I not interested then. If, she, if Miranda's not going, I won't watch. Sorry. <laughs> Well, if she, do, if she wants to do teacher's college. There you go. I know. That's cool. That, that's neat that you get to go back as the champs like that. I think that's yeah. cool. That's a, well, let's just say Mark's probably all over that as a recruiting tool. Yeah. Oh, that's, it's literally on my sheet. I'm like, <laughs> I, I'm in love with recruiting. Like it's like my favorite thing in the world. And I'm like, hand me that. And I'm running around the whole country holding like a sign that says we're going back. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. So after all this insanity, you're in Finland. How does that work? How do you get to Finland now after this? Um, the way like this opportunity came back was so, or uh, came about was so out of the blue. Um, I was at work and it, it comes back to my childhood coach, Sanjeev. Um, I was like, I, I work at sport check just part-time. Um, and I was at work and I, like, I don't talk to Sanjeev every day. Um, it's like here and there. And all of a sudden I see he's calling me on my phone and I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> he never calls me. Like, that's so weird. Um, and I thought, oh, this must be a mistake. And then he texted me because I was uh, in the elevator, so I couldn't answer. Um, and he texts me and is like, I need you to call me right away. Like, I have an opportunity for you in Finland. Wow. It all happened really fast. And then now I'm home again. Um, I just got home. I'm in quarantine. That's why I'm in a bedroom. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, it was a crazy experience that wow. happened so fast. Wow. Wow. That's nuts. So you've moved back home now. Did you ever consider using Bastion and Ferguson <laughs> real estate team? They're the way to go. The real estate team will help you find the exact place you need. Tom Bastian, friend of the podcast, former yellow card collector on the field, is someone you can trust and rely on to get the dwelling you desire. Bastian and Ferguson real estate team, look them up. Give them a call when you're done quarantine. You'll get rid of those white walls like this. You know uh, what? Stuart, I gotta, I gotta get away from Mark. I can't do this. So I want to ask you, like, I gotta throw you on the spot. And Miranda, I really want you to jump into as we go along. I want to get into. I, I touched on it before the show, which was a disaster. But anyway, the the sort of the player pyramid. I mean, we can talk player pyramid for men's and women, but obviously you're gonna want to focus in this case specifically with the women's side and some of the differences. You get to the top of a player pyramid here in North America. We were speaking about it. I don't know. I had, I had asked Charmaine Hooper in, in a previous episode, like I find it. And, you know, I hope it's not an ignorance towards the fact that I've been in the men's game and not the women's. Like I always thought it would be the reverse of men's. Like I grew up, I very much like Rand. I thought you got to go to the States. It's the best leagues ever. You got to get a scholarship. If not go abroad, play there. It's the best. So men, you want to go abroad for sure. I always assumed women like 
we're such a powerhouse in in Canada and U.S. Why would you even have to do that? Why would you go abroad? And that article that came out in the Sun, which I think Stuart, you might have been instrumental in getting out there. Like you see eight, nine girls from Ottawa that are all abroad playing in Tenerife, and I, I'm so mad Mark didn't bring up the the name of your your Finnish team because I was dying to hear him try and stutter that one out. Better. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping, but yeah, what do you think about that, Stuart? Like, what are your what are your thoughts? Well, you know, you you used the word player pyramid, which I think conceptually works really, really well. Like if you look at the number of girls playing in the Rex program, and then, um, you know, then you, you identify players from the Rex program to go into, you know, the U15, you know, into provincial teams, and then the U15 national team, U17 national team, U20 national team, and then the actual national team. So conceptually, it works really, really well. Now, Again, it's a pyramid. So there's going to be many players that get bumped out the side because, you know, if you take a look at, you know, Charmaine Hooper or Christine Sinclair, if they're playing hundreds of games for Canada and starting hundreds of games over a 10-year or a 12 or 14-year period, that means that let's assume that the under-20 national team graduates one striker every year. Hmm. Well, if she is not better than Hooper or Sinclair, then where do they go? They might end up becoming a midfielder or a defender, which happens in some cases. Um, but th there's, there's no growth there. So I kind of think some ways it's, it's more like a, a player thumbtack rather than a player pyramid. It, it narrows incredibly quickly. I think um, to the 20, you know, when players hit 22, if they've done their university experience, um, the opportunities for growth just limit incredibly. I mean, you know, the, the game to game to practice ratio disappears um, for, for players over 22. Um, you know, you think, you know, at a university level, the girls are out four times a week playing two games on a weekend, plus a, a winter season, similar numbers. And then once you leave that, I mean, if you're lucky, you're two practices a week and a game a week, if you're lucky, mm -hmm. um, with questionable numbers of practices. Yeah. So I think this is why so many of these girls, if, you know, you, you mentioned there's eight of them uh, that uh, Ken Warren did that article on. I know he contacted Miranda. I think, you know, they're looking, they're, they're hungry for player places where they can continue to develop and yeah. be respected and treated well. Uh, I think this is why those, those players go there. So, you know, as a national team and as a country, we have to find ways for those players that aren't in that perfect pyramid that the CSA has set up to continue their ongoing growth yeah. because you miss so many players. Whereas if you have these other environments for them to grow and nurture, mm -hmm. um, it's incredible. And if it's in a professional training environment, one of the difficult things is that, you know, with our structure, often the girl who's the best 16 year old is the best, she'd be in the best 15 year old, the best 17 year old, all the time, whereas in a, a proper club setup, yeah. they're taking those best 17 year olds and, and, and pushing them to play against 18 and 20 year olds. Yeah. And they can grow and then go back and then grow again. So it's, it, it's a more of a cyclical thing. Uh, and as if we think of it as a straight pyramid, it, it just, it looks great on paper, it works. Uh, but it's the question of all the people that get pushed sideways, how can we improve, continue yeah. for them to grow as players? Miranda, you, you going to jump in here? Yes, uh, this is just um, a bit like when uh, 
Stephen was starting about the you have to go to the U.S., I was just thinking that another reason why, like, that's pushed so much for players um, from Canada is, like, of course, everyone's dream is to play for the national team. That's what you want to, like, you want to be the best and you want to get to the highest level and that's what you're, that's what it is. But what I think, like, needs to improve in Canada is the fact that, like, the Canadian national team won't even look at you if you're playing out of school in Canada, which is so sad because that, like, um, it just pushes players to go abroad. But how do we develop the Canadian league and the schools if we're, like, if our goals are to reach the national team, but we know that if we stay in Canada, they won't look at us. (laughs) Um, And again, like, even just – like, I look at the players at Ottawa U and, like, we won the University World Cup and, like, that's really big and, like, that yeah. sh- should attract, like, Scouts. attention and things like that. But it's unfortunate that it really isn't seen as, like, yeah. it, it wouldn't bring in anyone to look at us, I don't think. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's a and great it, point. It is. Like, just... Yeah, I think it's really important. I mean, I would just add to that too. I mean, if 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 a region, a province, and a nation has invested heavily in one player, and and they've gone through the program through the pyramid, and there's another player who hasn't gone through the pyramid, you know, I would hope that a national team coach will pitch the absolute best player at whatever level, regardless of whether they were in their system or not in their system. But you know. There's a lot invested in those players that are in the system. So the That's question right. is, you know, is it looked at clearly? Uh, Miranda alludes to, you know, U Sport Nationals. If, if we go back a number of years uh, before Miranda played, it was a national team coach or assistant coach would actually be at the games and watch the games. Um, you know, when we were out in Cape Breton one year, uh, Ian Bridge was there. He was watching games. He was talking about it. He did a coaching development program for all the coaches there in the evenings. He'd analyzed um, uh, one of our, our Ottawa U games, and uh, he went through the analysis as if he was analyzing a national team, taught all the coaches how they do it. Um, and there, and there, was a, there was a great degree of uh, connectivity at that point. Um, but a lot of that has disappeared over the years. And that's something I'd really like to see reestablished, that hopefully maybe Bev Priestman will be able to do this and, and look look internally into the U sports system and see if, you know, look for some gems that are there as well. Yeah. I, uh, there was an article, I don't know when it was last few days in the Toronto star by Laura Armstrong. She's from Ottawa reporter down there or down there yet. Yeah, like she's now in like Mexico, but anyway, she's in Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a it's very much on par with this. She talks to Audra Sherman, uh, who's, you know, coached here for a long, long time about, I can't remember the girl's name. So, but I'm going to post the article. She went away to school in the States and kind of felt like she got lost, had nothing very, some, some a lot of parallels with uh, with Miranda. What you're saying, she actually made a point in her article that stuck out to me, and I'll and I'll take the shot, and then the CSA can come and slap me or whatever. But she said she got a an email about a camp for U20 Canada camp, and they asked her what position she plays and what positions she can play. I thought how 
amateur is that as a coach like of like Stewart's looking at me cross-eyed already I think like I already know where you what position you play I know where I think I can play you and maybe make you better enhance you or fit you into my team like that's pro to me like if you're sending me an email like that and this is like to your point Miranda she's in the states so she even got the email she wouldn't even have got it probably if she's at Ottawa U but it makes no sense to me that, that kind of blows me away so I, that's such a good point you brought up. I'm going to, I'm going to post that article as well because it's, I, it's such a disconnect. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I think Desiree that, Scott is probably one of the hardest working players on the national team. And I believe it was university of Manitoba. She played at. So yeah. you find someone like her, there's other ones just as good. Yeah, that's it. You're using recruiting tools and recruiting tools to working tools. True oh. build limited. We'll use the tools we can only dream of owning to create you the greatest fence, deck, or custom project. Alex Zaslavsky and his True Build team are like the Bayern Munich of contractors. Don't look anywhere else. Former soccer players kicking their way to creating your dreams. True Build Limited. We're going to hit into some rapid fire questions now so Miranda can continue quarantining and we can let these people get to their lives instead of looking at us. So... Well, hey, before you do that, could I, I throw in a little plug for your top 10 list? Yes, that's, oh, that's that was, yeah, wow. I was going to bring that up for you in here, oh. but I want you to do it now. Yeah. Who well, do I don't know. I just, I just, uh, I, I just think that overlooked on the list was one Fabian Garreau. Uh, Fabian went to Garneau High School, played soccer in Nepine with Charmaine. Um, I looked it up just to check. Um, she had, um, 17 caps for Canada, 16 were starts, five goals. She played between 1987-1991. Is that the one um, Charmaine brought up to us too? Yeah. Yeah. yeah they played Charmaine was before. mad at us too. Yeah, yeah. We're getting a lot of heat from this. It's a, you know what? Hey, I do not blame you guys at all. You, you know, you, you, we can talk about the media and the media coverage. These things are hard to find out, um, you know, even at the time yeah. uh, that it was happening. Um, difficult to tell. Um, so, and I, there was another cool thing that I, if you don't mind me just spouting here Dude. for a second, I looked up, you know, the Sinclair versus Hooper comparison that you alluded to in one of your shows. Um, I started thinking about it, you know, Charmaine sits when she retired at 129 caps, uh, Sinclair sitting at 296. <laughs> the very first national team occurred when Charmaine was 18. Sinclair was able to break into a national team around 16, 17. Uh, between the age of 18 and 23 for Charmaine in those years, 18 to 23, Canada played. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Grand total of 12 games. Shut wow. up. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 16 to, 16 to 23 for Christine Sinclair. Before she even turned 19, Canada had played 24 games that she <laughs> played in. Between 18 and 24, they played another 75 games. Jeez. Wow. I just, you talk about different generations and different time periods. Okay. And I kind of think to myself, you know, what would, had, had women's soccer existed as it was, and I know, Steve, you've talked about this a lot in, in the Hooper era, what would her cap total have been? What would her goal total have been? Yeah. Uh, Charmaine scored one goal in every 1.8 games, roughly. Sinclair this is awesome. Scoring Sinclair scoring one goal for every 1.6 games. That also includes, uh, for a period of time, as you guys know, Charmaine moved to center back. She played yeah. center back yeah. Um, yeah. In, the, in the World Cup where Canada finished fourth. And she uh, scored. Sinclair has yet to be turned into a center back. Maybe that's on the horizon. Uh, but 
it, you know, it's, it was an interesting comparison. I just, I thought it was cool to look up because I knew that the game had changed. I knew there were differences and opportunities and I had, it blew me away when I looked at those numbers that there were only yeah. 12 games played in, That's in those formative years for a player. And yeah. that was when Fabian was playing as well at that time. So that's what I, I was going to throw out there just to. That's amazing. I love that. Like you just schooled us. You're for sure were a teacher. And you even put the glasses on like a teacher. Yeah, on the edge as soon of your as the glasses went on, I'm yeah, like, I was sold. really good is coming. You could have yeah, said anything. I was moment. done. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was in. It's called old age, man. So <laughs> you can focus on something far away, but up close, it turns, it turns into a blur. Yeah. So I'm gonna, I thought I'm gonna I was just going to throw it there for your top 10 list. I mean, there's some other cool up-and-coming players, too. I, I think uh, one to watch for would be Keza Massey, uh, who's uh, played for Ghana in the U-17 World Cup as a goalkeeper, then played for Canada because uh, she was born in Ghana, came to um, here as a child, had been adopted into Canada, then She's now at um, West Virginia. Uh, she's now in part of Canada's U20 setup. She'd be, as a goalkeeper, she'll be someone to, to watch in the future. I know she has aspirations to play pro. She'd, uh, she went to my high school as well. Um, so yeah, neat, cool. uh, neat opportunities there coming up for these younger players. And whether it's following your dreams overseas like Miranda, uh, I think there's gonna be greater opportunities there. And whether we, as a country can put something in place. I think that that is epic. Like we mm -hmm. have to do something better. Do we need one NWSL team? Like do we need a Toronto, a Montreal or a Vancouver to step up and, and put a team in the NWSL? I mean, you know, that's a big thing. Yeah. I don't know, I could go on for this for a while or is that another yeah. show? Yeah, there is another show because I, yeah. I want to talk about that. But like the whole foreign, the Canadians are considered foreign in a North American league is a, obviously like I think the national team players that get put in that league aren't. But if you are not in that national pool, like yeah. we talked about, now you're a foreigner. So it's, a, anyways, whole other, a, it's a whole player. other show for sure. I mean, let's say what they're doing in England right now. Every MLS team should have a women's team. It's, it's just it's it's bread and butter, right? It's made there for you. England showed it can work and every MLS team should yeah. have. Yeah. Well, I think, I think uh, Mark, the, the interesting thing, you know, you talk about the, you know, in England, they talk about playing for the badge. Yeah. I mean, talk about a marketing dream. When you say you're playing for Arsenal, Man United, Brighton, Hove Albion, uh, West Ham, where Adriana Leone is, if you're talking about that, uh, and then the NWSL, in, in some cases, like in Orlando, there's a, there's a connection between the teams. In other places, there's no connection. But if you get that alignment, I mean, who's to say Atletico Ottawa? I'm throwing the, I'm going to throw the challenge out there. I mean, uh, why can't Atletico Ottawa take on a women's program? Why can't Ottawa become the hub for top women players in Canada and play in that NWSL? Yeah, yeah, agreed. Yeah. It's disgraceful. It really is the treatment it gets. It's it's completely disgraceful, and we'll be, you know, uh, advocating this as as long as we uh, have airwaves, you know. <laughs> Might not so, be long though, Mark. Yeah, exactly. We, we have seven days. So anyway, so sponsors, you'll be fine. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and we'll have to do a whole show of only sponsors. I can't transition. It well, it'd be, the, it'd be the shortest show in the world. Yeah. <laughs> so Miranda, I'm going to ask you these rapid fire questions Stu. There's a couple in there for you, but the first one, Miranda, a crossbar challenge. The first one to hit the crossbar, who wins Stuart or your head coach, Steve? <laughs> this is on the spot this like is awesome it. be honest no mercy no mercy 
Sorry, Stu, I'm going to say Steve because I actually have never seen you kick the ball. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, ruthless. Blew the show up. Blew the show up. Yeah. That's okay. You know what? That's fair. First day of training camp. First day of training camp. When COVID's over, we need to get this. We need yes. to get this. Yes, I, I would I would like to see because I'm actually not sure, but I've seen Steve jump into some of our yeah. uh things before. So Yeah. Wow. All right. That's Stewart's it. Soccer Snobs live event. It, yeah. We're gonna do I a show just, live uh, from the I, field. I'm holding on to that. I was was the amount of time you took for the answer, I thought was brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really am not sure. I'm just okay. going off of that. I've actually seen Steve, jump in a few times. And honestly, I don't know how often I've seen him kick the ball either, but... It's okay. This is why guys are jerks. You can be, you can be mean and we can get on with it. Don't worry. You don't have to... <laughs> Miranda, You're what at the club... other end of the field when I'm serving it to the defenders. There we go. There we go. Miranda, what club do you support in world soccer? Um, I'd probably say Manchester United, oh. but... Love this. Now you're you're just this is turning That's into just a great because uh, I think uh, Sanjeev was a Manchester United fan and when I was younger I didn't really follow much, but that was like the first team that I was introduced oh to really. Okay. So I'm gonna ask Stuart and Miranda both this. I'll start with Stuart. Have you ever heard of okay, and do you put cheese on apple pie? No. Yes, I've heard of it. No, I would never ever do it. See, this is this is from my father-in-law. He listens to this show every time we have like a Christmas. The the apple pie comes. He's like, "Where's the cheddar cheese?" And I'm always like, "No, I can't, I can't." And he puts a big slice of cheddar cheese on his apple pie, and and it's apparently really popular. If you look it up, it's super popular. Well, where in Middle America? Like where? In North well, Dakota. Memphis. Yeah. <laughs> so my father is very Scottish, and he puts shaky cheese on stuff. Ugh, wow. He just grabs wow. whatever and just shakes it on it. So. Yeah. So, Miranda, what's the best Christmas movie of all time? Um, oh, there's so many. <laughs> I love Elf. Elf, I knew Christmas Elf, Vacation. Yeah. And... I like the Santa Claus. Yeah, hmm. those were like those are the greatest three movies. Is there there's three right? Those are the greatest. Yeah, yeah, I like those. Yeah. So I'll hit you guys with a couple of would you rather's now. <clears throat> Miranda, would you rather get ten medium quality gifts for Christmas or two great gifts for Christmas? Two great gifts. Same. Come on. Of course. Okay. Stuart, I think I know the answer to this now because of your, um, your Will Ferrell moment, but you're chosen to play a game for $1 billion. You have a choice of striker. Is it Hooper in her prime or Mia Hamm in her prime? Hooper in her prime every time. Yes. And wow. it rhymed. And it rhymed. Yeah, too. it was so cool. Like, blew me <laughs> away. I think also bruises per minute. She dishes them out. Yeah. 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 Miranda, on the bus on a road trip, would you rather only movies or only music? Uh, music. Wow. That was, a, that, was, uh, that was not expected. Yeah, good thing I didn't have like five follow-ups with that. <laughs> would you rather have 
a five-year pro career as a player or a 30-year pro career as a coach? Who? Miranda and Stuart. I'll start with Miranda. Uh, that's so hard. Such a good one. I was proud of that one. Yeah, it's a good one. Oh, gosh. I don't know how to pick that. They're both so good. Like, Mark, can you add if she plays one more year of pro and cheats that that would you rather? She dies immediately. She dies immediately. <laughs> you can't. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. Then I could pick. Um, can I answer both? <laughs> oh, no. 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 You didn't answer both for Stuart and uh, Steve to hit the crossbar. You can't yeah, answer that both. That was your chance to answer both. Yeah. yeah. You know so what? Go to, Stuart. Go to Stuart. Yeah, Stuart. Go to Stuart. Miranda, when we come back, you got to rip a quick answer. Stuart, what do you think? Okay. Uh, quick answer. I, as a teacher and educator, I go with 30 years in coaching since I've already done it and I love it. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's totally cool. Good, solid answer, Stu. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Miranda, what is Good it? Playing choice. for five years like, well, or coaching? I'll take my five years as a player then because I have played and I don't have much experience coaching. So I'll okay. take the five years as a player, but okay. I think if I could coach for 30 years and like impact um, players' lives, like coaches have impacted mine, then that is like very valuable. Too, you just won. You won that question. And you still <laughs> answered both, but you still won. I know. Was well done, actually. Yeah. That was Couldn't the best. Come up with the crossbar challenge to answer too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Would you rather, Miranda? Be outdoors a lot in the winter, do winter sports, spend time outside, or be normal. <laughs> what? I hate winter. Hey, that was a me uh, thing. Okay, well, I like winter because I like to snowboard. Um, so I will take being outside. Okay. But I only like winter for the first couple months. But then when it starts, all the snow gets like yeah black yeah. and dirty it's not very nice anymore yeah it's brutal yeah what about you Stuart? i take winter. in i'm st- i'm outside man skate on the canal uh downhill ski um, yeah, crazy I, I try to honestly i try to skate on the canal two times a week try to downhill really ski. i've been like twice in my life and i was born here <laughs> yeah, i Same saw you both times it wasn't pretty yeah <laughs> <laughs> Now, Miranda, would you rather play in a national final with a full Santa beard and mustache on or the Santa <laughs> Or what? Or what? Or what? Santa's cloak. <laughs> you have to pick one national final. What was the other one? The mustache and what? Mustache beard. and beard combo, like glued on. Oh, yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. See, I was thinking that as well right away. Heavy. But that yeah. could get annoying. Like, what if it gets in your eyes? The glue's coming off. Like, you gotta think. You gotta think yeah. of these. But men do it all the time. They play with beards. That, but they're not glued on. True. True. The cloak, Mark. I feel like we need a whole show that? of the beard. You're yeah. you're you're arguing with an eight-year-old, Miranda. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Okay. So before we move on, we're going to end it with a quiz. We always end with a quiz if you've listened to the show before, but before we move on to that final portion, I want to say a few, a few quick things <laughs> for a local women's soccer team to be national champions and like perennial national contenders and to be university world cup champions is like, it's unmatched. And, um, 
these athletes and coaches deserve a bigger platform. Like we alluded to earlier, like yeah. it shouldn't be a call this, that, and the other, like these athletes should be followed and, and, and promoted and all over this city. And as long as I, like I said before, as long as we have a mic, we're going to advocate people like you, Miranda and Stuart, who's coached for 30 plus years. Like I'm glad we did this to set it up because now I have a 10 year old son who plays and if he's the next Miranda Smith I'm the happiest dad in the whole world so thank you for taking time to talk with us idiots for a couple minutes so uh, we really appreciate both of you uh, coming on well thank you thanks for having, for having us. us I love it because I think it's um, like the conversation needs to happen like it needs to keep it needs to be a reoccurring conversation to grow not just soccer, but like women's soccer in Ottawa, like mm -hmm. needs more. And I think like, uh, actually women's soccer in Canada, just in general. Um, so I think like these are important conversations to have. So I'm glad that we had it. And I'm, I like love talking about it. Awesome. Yeah. I will uh, just throw one little tidbit of information out here. When we won the University World Cup, it's a very interesting thing because other than 1904, when Canada won a gold medal in the St. Louis Olympics, when there were only three teams and we were Galt FC, um, Canada has never ever won a single soccer championship at any level, whether it's Fichu games as all-stars, whether it's under 20, under 17, under 19, whatever, um, whether it's the world military games, there's never been a single uh, winner in a team uh, soccer team event that, uh, that I could find. I, looked, I tried to find it. I don't, I don't think it exists. If I'm wrong, I'll take it, but I couldn't find anything that Canada ever won at a world level uh, at, any, at, any, at any level. That's the gold incredible. cup, but uh, not the but winner. Our, but yeah. So yeah. World cup. No, no gold cup. That's a good one, Mark. You just, you just squashed his point, but I love the point because like that's three yeah. in a hundred and whatever years. Well, that's like, it. So the, yeah. to, to the, to the point, the tension should be so much higher. It's such a good, it's such oh. a good point. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. No. So again, thank you. And we're going to see who wins this quiz. This is uh -oh. like the biggest quiz you'll ever take in your life. And I always give the, uh, I always give the advantage in the, the question to the, to the guests. So it's, more your situation, but I'm going to go in this order. I'm going to go Jason, Stephen, Stuart, and then Miranda gets the last prices right spot. So <laughs> what year, Jay, was Ottawa U founded? Oh, I knew we should have looked this oh, up. I, I went there for teacher's college. I should know this. I'm going to say 1880. Steve. Oh my God, I'm watching expressions when Jay said it. I know, I was watching Stuart like... I know, me too. And I saw Miranda make a weird face. I'm going to say... I have no idea. Oh, I just want to beat Jay. 1884. <laughs> Stuart. I'm going to go 1896. Miranda. I'll go 1890. I have no idea. All right. You well, said the winner of this important quiz, Big Jason Whiting. Yes! It, is, yes! it, was, it was founded in 1848. Wow. Oh, 
that's before Canada's even a country. Yes, I, think. I know, yeah. I know. Yeah, it was wow. like it was like this church archdiocese, you know, those weird things. Yeah, yeah. Back then. yeah, yeah. Those like, weird churches. Yeah. <laughs> I would yeah, have who no idea. No. Yeah, I'm so happy right now. I'm losing in this <laughs> battle. That's why. Eleven six now for Steve. Yeah, but anyway, again, thank you. So we'll we'll yeah. let you guys go um, and get on with your day. But we appreciate it again. All right, thank Thanks, you very guys. much for having us. Thanks very much for listening today if you haven't already please subscribe to the podcast and of course leave us a five-star review if you want to get in touch you'll find us on instagram at soccer snob one on twitter at soccer snobs one by searching for us on facebook and of course on the web at www.soccersnobs.ca backslash listen you can leave us your opinion give us any comments and if that's where you want to get nasty feel free to do so